Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Friday Buckeye Talk here with about 20 of our closest friends, 24 even, Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means from Cleveland.com on a live Zoom on a Thursday night. This is how we're going to preview Ohio State football games this season, we think. We have our tech subscribers who have decided to spend four bucks a month for this. You know, it's other stuff besides Zooms, but Zoom is a bonus. And you can do that by sending a text to 614-350-3315. We won't completely turn this into an advertisement because we want to turn it into an exciting podcast to get people ready for what's coming up on Saturday at noon in Ohio Stadium. Nathan, Stephen, and I will give our picks for this game. We'll also take some picks from anybody in the Zoom room who wants to join us um, in making a pick for this game. I have, I sent out a survey to tech subscribers. I have their, you know, sort of ranges of picks for this game. Um, and Nathan and Steven will be there on Saturday, and I will be on my couch, not at the game, because my streak of attending 198 consecutive Ohio State games um, from the very first game I covered. I've never missed a game since I started on the beat with the second game of the 2005 season. I have never missed a game, and I'm missing this one because I'm hiding from the COVID. So um, I've decided that I will let the rest of the beat be my guinea pigs. I believe my actual quote, because I like to keep it real, is I'll let um, the fatter, dumber people on the beat go sit in the press box and see if they get coronavirus. And then if they don't, um, then I'll try to show up. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'll never show up. Or I think if everybody's healthy, then, you know, we won't worry about it. But I don't, um, I don't think he was talking about us, but I don't know that he wasn't talking about us. I mean, I'm in better shape than both of you, so I know he's not talking about me. I was which, not. Which shape are we talking about? I was, I was not referencing you. So, um, <laughs> so that's the plan. But this is a historic game, and I was looking at the Nebraska game notes, and it's sort of, you, you sort of lose track of this because Nebraska's not very good anymore, but we are entering the age when there are football programs that have 900 wins now. That's how long we've had college football. This is the... Eighth all-time game ever between programs that have 900 wins. 
Last year when Nebraska and Ohio State played, it was only the second game ever between programs with 900 wins. The 2018 Ohio State-Michigan game was the first game ever between programs with 900 wins. So this is now the eighth game ever between programs with 900 wins. Ohio State has been in four of those. So Nebraska at Ohio State, it's historic. It's big-time programs. Nathan, does it feel like that? Do you feel the history of Ohio State-Nebraska on Saturday? No, because Nebraska's not Nebraska anymore. They're just not. It's, it's not. Nebraska's a mediocre Big Ten program right now. It just doesn't have that same sizzle. Sorry. That's okay. So I, I was apologizing I, to them more than you, but oh, them, no. them okay. not, I'm not apologizing to either because it's, they've, they've done, it's of their own making. Can we ask, and people can raise their hand and I'll unmute you on this. Does anyone think, do, they, do you buy the conspiracy theory about the Ohio State-Nebraska game that somehow this was the plan, that the Big Ten did this on purpose, whether as a, I don't know, if it's a reward or as a punishment or just because it's interesting, that, that when they redid the schedule, this is what they came up with. Scott Frost thinks it, right, Nathan? I was just reading the transcript from his Monday news conference. I think you had referenced that. He seems to think this was a, a plan by the Big Ten. Steven, do you think that this is purposeful, that like Nebraska and Ohio State fought for this, and it's like, okay, here, you wanted it, you got it. Nebraska, go play Ohio State to open the season. I mean, it's not, and we've gone over why and how the schedule kind of cycles through when you're doing the crossover games. But I don't know. If you want to have some fun with it, you can say doing it on purpose was the fact that it's the first game of the season, maybe. That this is your reward is you get to start the season out 0-1. But that's if you want to be a conspiracy theorist and have some fun. But it's not by the sake of them just getting Ohio State on the schedule. They were going to be on there anyway. Yeah, I mean, they, just because they were going to play them, though, doesn't mean they were going to have to put them week one. But, no, I don't, I don't believe that this is – I mean – Scott Frost and the AD both seem to have a, uh, a a paranoia going that has maybe creeped past the healthy designation. Dan says no. Lyndon says no. PJ says no. Um, Clint has his hand raised. Clint, go ahead. What, are you? Do you think there's a conspiracy theory here? Hasn't Nebraska been complaining about how tough their schedule is for about a year or two now? I mean, but even before COVID hit? It's an odd thing that we are talking about they are a 900 win program that seems to not want to play good teams. And we kind of covered that. I think when the schedule came out, the thing about it now is it's like, if this was like some great giant plan, is there like X, do you feel the extra buzz around this game about it? Like I, it's, I haven't read like a gazillion stories. I mean, Nathan, you wrote one, but you didn't spend 20 hours working on it. Like, Hey, Ohio state and Nebraska fought for this. And now here we are. It was back at the time, it was the biggest thing in the world because they weren't going to have a season and everybody fought for it. And now they do have a season, but now football's here and it feels like football's here. I don't know that like that's adding a ton to the hype of this game, Nathan, that no, it it just sort of was like a colorful nugget that you could throw out there, but I don't think it had, it, it just doesn't add anything to it. And that's, that's kind of Nebraska's issue right now in a nutshell. And I think you made this reference when we were first talking about this weeks or months ago or years, however long this has taken to get to this point, but that Nebraska is the program that people should be complaining about that they have to play too much or whatever. And instead they're the ones complaining about the schedule that they get. And that, that is the definition of what is wrong with Nebraska football right now. This should have been a cooler moment. Honestly, that, that story, if Nebraska was Nebraska, then that story is a big deal. Cause it's, the two biggest program, best programs in the Big Ten fought to play each other, 
fought to play and have a season, and now week one, fans get the best program from the West and the best program from the East, and that's how we start the year off. But because Nebraska is in Nebraska, it's just, hey, this happened, and now let's move on. Is Ohio State going to win a national championship? So Nebraska is not Nebraska, and we aren't experts on Nebraska. And I was going to play a game of like, you know, I was going to say a name of like a Nebraska State House, State House representative and a Nebraska linebacker and say like, which one of these actually plays for Nebraska, but I didn't have time to do that. So we don't know a ton about Nebraska, but I don't know. I was on a Nebraska radio show uh, on Thursday, and I was saying how it feels like everybody had expectations for Nebraska last year. They didn't live up to them. Everybody was disappointed. And now nobody has any expectations for Nebraska. And now might they be a little bit sneaky good? And that's what it feels like from here. And they were like, yeah, that's what it feels like here in Nebraska too. That's kind of what everybody's thinking. And I will say that there are a couple things about Nebraska that intrigue me at the moment. One is that they have a new offensive coordinator and Scott Frost is, is still the play caller, but they got in, they brought in Matt Lubick, who's the son of longtime coach, Sonny Lubick. He had worked with Scott Frost at Nebraska. They got rid of the guy who was the offensive coordinator that Scott Frost had worked with at UCF for a couple of years and then had brought him to Nebraska. I always think that's interesting when it's like, hey, it's not working, right? They're not getting rid of Scott Frost, but they made a change there. That can help you sometimes. They have every offensive line starter back. They have like 106 starts returning on the offensive line, which is pretty nuts. Again, you know, that means they were young last year. Maybe it means they're not great. Nobody went to the NFL, but they're experienced, which should help that offense. And then they have these two quarterbacks, Adrian Martinez. When we talked on our Monday podcast, we said, hey, who's going to start for Nebraska? Nebraska then made it pretty clear, very clear. Adrian Martinez is going to start. But Scott Frost also said, basically, if Luke McCaffrey was as experienced as Adrian Martinez, maybe he would have won the job. So it feels like they're going with Martinez because he's been around and it was a weird pandemic offseason. But it also maybe sounds like McCaffrey's going to play it. It almost made me feel like maybe they like McCaffrey better. They have a couple skill guys. They have three veteran running backs back. Like, I guess it's not running. They have their three leading rushers are back. Their tailback, Adrian Martinez and Wandale Robinson, who's kind of like a half running back, half receiver. They have some stuff on offense, Nathan. And they, they just have enough of the stuff that I'm, a, I'm slightly intrigued with a new voice there that's kind of helping Scott Frost out. I'm slightly intrigued of – could this Nebraska offense in year three finally look like something? And could they look like it right now in week one against Ohio state? I think it's completely plausible. I mean, you've got last year, a very young offensive line versus what Ohio state had on its defensive front last year. That's a bad matchup for Nebraska. Now it's kind of flipped a little bit. I'm not saying Ohio state is the equivalent of last year's Nebraska offensive line. I'm just saying you don't have chase young. You don't have the, the three fifth year defensive tackles in the middle. In fact, we don't know who's going to play defensive tackle tomorrow for Ohio state other than I guess, hopefully the, uh, Tommy Togia and Antoine Jackson and um, maybe some other guys behind that, but we don't know exactly who's available. You've got last year, um, you know, Wondell Robinson getting matched up when he's running routes, when they line up as his receiver against three first round cornerbacks headed to the NFL. Well, now it's a different situation. Sean Wade's still out there, but you're maybe matching him up in the slot against Marcus Williamson starting for the first time, a guy who didn't even play very much last year for Ohio state. And a guy that you're going to move around in your offense and try to find the best matchup. And there's going to be maybe more of those matchups because nine of the 11 positions for Ohio state are changing over in some way, either a new starting guy period or a guy who's 
shifting positions a little bit for this season. So I did, there are ways where it maybe matches up better this year for Nebraska. And I think we're going to say that about a lot of teams because not very many teams matched up well at all against Ohio State's defense last year. And this is one of those examples. I think you're kind of hitting it. It's like, I don't know if this is a team that can threaten Ohio State as far as beating them, but I think it's a team that can move the ball and put up some points. And I think it's, it's the kind of, I wrote about this today. I just think that Ohio State should almost welcome that. If you're an Ohio State fan, I think you kind of want that. You should want this game to be a little bit tough on your defense because you need to find out some things about this defense. And you got Penn State in week two, and winning 90 to nothing is a nice warm-up, but I, but I think you might want to get a little more uh, of, a test in that, uh, of a test than that. It just The idea that both offensive lines here are really, really, really experienced. And Nebraska's offensive line isn't as good as Ohio State's offensive line. I'm not sure anybody's offensive line is as good as Ohio State's offensive line. But you got some inexperience on the defensive side of the ball. Nebraska has, I think, three quarters of its secondary back, but has nobody back on the defensive line. You know, kind of losing their identity on defense has been a major part sort of of the Nebraska downfall in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I do agree with this from Evan. Steven, do you agree with this? Wouldn't game one after a long offseason be the best time to play Ohio State? better then than later in the season. It's like Nebraska's kind of complaining about having to open with Ohio State, but they're the cross-division rival right now. They're the guaranteed rival, at least still for this season. They were going to play them. So if you're in Nebraska, what's a better time to play Ohio State? You want to play them in week seven when they're like all geared up and and sniffing the playoffs? I I think I agree with that, Steven. If you're the underdog, get get them early and maybe see somehow if Ohio State's a little rusty. Yeah, especially when you're clearly the lesser talented team, but you're still a Big Ten team. So you're not a mid-major school, but you're clearly not what Ohio State is. Yeah, you get them when the team is still trying to figure out some things, so maybe you can be the team to exploit it. I, I will say I'm, I am a wash in uh, Baker Mayfield paranoia this week with Browns fans and everyone trying to figure out Baker Mayfield was good as a rookie. He was bad last year. He hasn't been good early on, but they're four and two. What's up with Baker Mayfield and can he get it back? Uh, Tim in the chat mentions, remember, he remembers being in the shoe in 2018 and watching Adrian Martinez and that he was kind of impressive then. He was good as a freshman. And I think there is something to that, that when you have a guy who looks good when he's young, when he kind of doesn't know any better, right? He's not in his own head. Uh, Defenses haven't adjusted to him yet. And it's like, (coughs) excuse me, it's like, hey, this guy's got a little something. And then he completely loses it. And then, I mean, that's just much different than the guy who never had it. So, Nathan, like, as we think about this, again, it feels like, I, it feels like Luke McCaffrey's going to play on Saturday. If I had to bet, I would bet that Luke McCaffrey gets a series that matters. But Adrian Martinez has shown something in his career. He just didn't show it last year at all. I don't know. What's your general view? We don't know. We don't cover Nebraska every day, but what's, what's your view on like guys who once looked good and have kind of lost it? Is that something that an opposing team should be worried about? I think so a little bit, only because you also have to look at what factors were at play beyond that, you know, reading things that, you know, Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez himself said to reporters in, in Nebraska over the last couple of weeks about, you know, there were some injuries issues coming into the season with him last year. Scott Frost basically came out and said, I'm not sure he prepared as well for that second year as he should have, which is, I thought, one of the reasons why they were kind of 
doubling down on this Luke McCaffrey talk, even if he wasn't going to play, I think it was there all along to kind of push him to push Martinez to, to prepare even harder for the season. And Martinez himself kind of seemed to appreciate that and say like, that definitely made me better coming into the season. So I think it does mean something. I mean, uh, Tim's right. I mean, this is a a Nebraska team that led Ohio state at halftime in 2018 in Ohio stadium. And it ended up being, I think a five point, I think it was 36, 31. So still a relatively close game at the end. Now I know that that was an Ohio state defense. that had a lot of issues in a lot of other ways. And I don't think this year is going to regress to that point, but I think there's going to be a regression. And I think especially week one with just not, not knowing some of the personnel that will be available for Ohio State and also knowing that some of the personnel is still new, that this is probably a defense that's going to grow into something better than it is on Saturday. So one thing that really consumed a lot of our offseason that I, I, I want to revisit again today, I, we've talked about it a little bit, but I think it's important um, to get a handle on this. And again, I haven't been at, uh, in all the Zoom calls, but I think we got a, a pretty good read on this. What is Ohio State's defensive scheme going to look like? Because in talking about, hey, Nebraska has a new offensive coordinator, Nebraska was sort of talking about that this week. Hey, you know, we have a new offensive coordinator. Ohio State doesn't, even though Scott Frost is still the guy, you know, maybe, maybe Ohio State hasn't ever seen what we've done before. But then Nebraska's talking about, hey, Ohio State has a new defensive coordinator. You know, we don't know exactly what Kerry Combs is going to do there. But yet, did not the impression form, Stephen, did not the impression sort of form this week that it's not changing? Single high safety, what they did last year, does it not seem like that's really kind of what they're going to do this year? Yeah, and part of that, Matt Barnes said this, part of that is you didn't get a normal spring and really a normal fall. You didn't get a chance to really, if they wanted to do some multiple things and do some other things, you didn't really get a chance to really implement a lot of that stuff in the spring. And so you have to stay as basic as possible, especially when you've got that many new guys in the secondary. You have to do that. Now, as the season goes on and – Maybe they show some things. Maybe they go into some other things like some two safety situations with Josh Proctor and Marcus Hooker. But to start the season out, you have to stay as basic as possible because these guys didn't get, you know, 15 practices in the spring to be able to install a lot of that stuff. We have another call out, Doug. So I I don't know if I should be pleased, worried that the Texers have seemed to embrace the Hey Doug, You're an Idiot uh, new segment of Buckeye Talk. But we did get this from the 614 from someone who said, I won't be able to make a Zoom, the Zoom call to bring this up, but I wanted to push back on Doug about Kerry Combs calling the defense while on the field, likening it to Ed Warner being on the field with his O-line while calling the plays and how horrible that went. Well, Ryan Day calls his offense from the sideline and not up in the booth. And if you think that defense is different than offense, then explain that to Brent Venables at Clemson being on the field and calling his defense. I'm not likening to Com- I'm not likening Combs to Venables in the slightest, more stating that I don't think it matters if your play caller is on defense or offense and whether they're on the field or up in the booth. All that matters is if you are good at it or not. So the idea that the reason that Ed Warner wasn't good at calling plays is because he was down on the sideline that is a good thing. That is a good thing to push back on. You could put Ed Warner standing next to the quarterback. You could put, you could have Ed Warner put a, a helmet on and line up at left guard. You could have Ed Warner sit in a golf cart and drive in, in a circle around all the players on the field. Wherever you put Ed Warner, he was going to be bad at calling plays for an offense. So, 
I, the thing that I was comparing it to is that that season, I was worried about the logistics of that. And I think the logistics of that did go wrong, but everything went wrong. So I am concerned about the logistics of this. I still think they might end up changing it. But the fact that Brent Venables, the best defensive coordinator in the nation, calls plays on the sideline is a very solid pushback on me. And Nathan, when you listened to the radio show with Ryan Day on Thursday, was this not a topic of conversation? Or in the interview afterward in the lightning round? It was the lightning round. It was the first question you got. It was from me. It was just asking, you know. It was from you. You asked about it. I love yeah. logistical questions. Thank you for asking that. You're, you're welcome. I think I even started to write the text and then had to cut out the reference to myself because I had to fit in other words. We only have so many words. But um, yeah, I, I just asked, like, was, you know, um, does, was, was part of the reason why you wanted Kerry down on the field because of who he, cause he's Kerry Combs, because you want the Kerry Combs magic down there, essentially. And he said, yeah, like they want him down there, especially with those young defensive backs. They thought that that was important, that he have that connection with them on the field however he did say kind of as if he had listened to Buckeye talk the night before which I am a thousand percent sure he did not (laughs) if he had listened to what you said on Buckeye talk on Thursday long day at the Woody yeah on the drive-in maybe I suppose yeah you have those 11 minutes to yourself the only 11 minutes all day that you truly have to yourself how else would you want to spend it besides listening to Buckeye talk I'm gonna start shouting him out that's true. What's up, Rye? What's up, man? He, he, he says he's but getting he, a lot of time by himself right now because he's not standing home with the family. Oh, that's true. He may have a maybe lot of time. He, to maybe he's just walking around the house, whatever, wherever he's staying, cleaning up. Although oh, something tells me that when, when Ryan Day gets bored and during football season, he's not like, I wonder if there's like a pot, like a true crime podcast or like, I don't know, something about one of these movie podcasts I could listen to. I think he probably goes and watches another Nebraska film for the 500th time. But anyway, Although, he did- by the way, I want to bring this up, by the way, because this is real. Ohio State is starting a podcast. They are. Like yeah, their yeah. own in-house podcast yeah. where they start interviewing their own people. And I think it's like a podcast first episode. behind the scenes with their coaches. And Ryan Day is the first episode. So Ryan Day is now both someone that we cover and also our competitor. And we will destroy him. We are going to drive. No, we're not going to destroy it. <laughs> Good luck with your Ohio State podcast, Ryan Day. And but now maybe when maybe Ryan Day is listening, not for the content, but for the logistics. Hey, how do these guys do this? You know, what's the banter like? What color headphones do they wear? Right? Maybe we could give Ryan Day some tips on how to do a podcast. He could wear those bright pink headphones. All I was that was a long-winded way for me to get around to saying he did say they're gonna evaluate how it went after week one and they'll see how it goes, and they may change as the season goes along. They're not like they don't have this written down in ink that this is how it's going to be all season, but this is the way they're going to start it to start the season. Ohio state's media guide is online at the Ohio state website. I tweeted it out today. Go read it. It's fun. I like reading the, and they have a new record books that are also online. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because game notes, I, I almost never reference them, but sometimes there's good, interesting facts in here. And I thought this was an odd thing as I was going through the Nebraska game notes, because they had some really good stuff about Ohio state. They had, In the last 40 years, if you say the last 40 years of college football, the program's with the most wins. And Nebraska was third on that list. Nebraska has 360 wins in the last 40 years. They're third. But Ohio State's first. Ohio State is first in wins in college football over the last 40 years, 371. It goes Ohio State, then Oklahoma, then Nebraska. Then Nebraska also said the last 30 years, which I thought was an odd thing to use because usually, I mean, this is a thing you learn in journalism school. 
manipulate this, the facts and the stats to support your opinion. I should probably say that. Mani manipulate stats, not facts. But if you're Nebraska, I mean, I would have done like, hey, in the last 36 and a half years, Nebraska, whatever you got to do so that Nebraska's first on a, on a, in a period of time, do that. But they did the last 30 years then. So they did 40 years. It's Ohio State one, Nebraska three. The last 30 years, Nebraska fell to eighth, but they still had it in there. I was like, well, why would you point out the fact that we used to be really good and then gradually we've been getting worse and worse and worse. Ohio State's still first. Ohio State, 291 wins over the last 30 years. Florida, second, with 276. So over the last 30 years of college football, if you're 30 years old, PJ, you look like you're 30. I see you sitting up there in the corner. Yeah, like maybe like 28. Next segment, Doug guesses your age. It's just like being at, a, being at a county fair. All the fairs were canceled this year. Nobody could guess your age. I'll guess your age. What's happening? If you're 30, Ohio State has won more football games in your life than any other program in existence. Oklahoma's third, Florida State fourth, Georgia fifth, Nebraska is eighth. Another stat they brought up, Stephen, does this defend Scott Frost at all? Scott Frost, nine and 15 in two years. Nine of the losses, nine of his 15 losses by seven points or fewer. Does that make you feel better or worse about Scott Frost? Like, look at Nebraska. They're so close to winning, but they have no idea how to win. Is that a good stat or a bad stat when a, a coach has a bunch of close losses? That's a bad stat because it's a problem. It's okay if it's one or two, but listen, that can pop nine can turn into 18 very quickly. If it can happen, if it's happening against the same team over and over and over again. So yeah. Okay. You lost a couple of games by seven or, or less points. Okay, cool. Get better. You lost 21 games by less than seven points. It's like, dude, what are you doing here? That's how you get fired. It's all relative to Nebraska expectations. You're losing any number of games in the Big Ten West. You're just treading water in the Big Ten West. That's not where Nebraska wants to be. Sounds like a team who can't close. Tishu, I see in the house. We're going to get to you right after the break. Thanks for being here, man. We have our own personal Buckeye Talk line setter, and uh, he's going to help us with that, and we'll get to that soon. We're going to get ready to make our picks. But I, I want to deal with Adrian Martinez just a little bit more. Uh, Jamie said – It'll be interesting to see how Ohio State does against a quarterback that can run and make something out of a broken play. Martinez ran for two touchdowns and over 70 yards in 2018. Andy says Martinez had about 65 yards rushing in 2019, but you got to complete some passes to move the ball. And PJ said, I remember reading somewhere that cover one and cover three aren't great against running quarterbacks. I don't know if that's a, a Trevor Lawrence reference. It was not great that night. Things like that is why I wonder – that maybe think that Combs might be more multiple, especially for someone like Adrian Martinez. Listen, that's the thing. It's weird, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's like, like is Adrian Martinez a playmaker or not? Right. That this was, again, everybody, if you've been listening to Buckeye talk for a year, everybody remembers the podcast with the Nebraska writer from the summer of 2019, where he said Adrian Martinez is better than Justin Fields, or he would take Adrian Martinez over Justin Fields. And that's what some people in Nebraska were thinking at that time playmaker is he a playmaker is he gonna do some stuff and it turns out justin Fields is super duper efficient and also a playmaker but if they get a playmaking quarterback i mean i i do wonder you know if you get a guy in the move that's the thing every every good defense it's like well what are they susceptible to well it's a quarterback who can run some broken plays you get out and scramble when you're not looking for it um it's gonna be really interesting 
But then also, okay, if even if Adrian Martinez does that to them, who else is going to do that to him in the Big Ten? I don't, I don't know. I don't know that Sean Clifford's going to do that as a playmaking quarterback. I don't think Joe Milton's exactly that, right? I just, I just don't know who else has got even – even Tanner Morgan, I don't think he's like that if they would face Minnesota in the Big Ten championship game. So uh, I'm really curious. Nathan, if you had to – just in the end, like do you expect that when this game is over on Saturday that people think Adrian Martinez has had a good game? Or do you think it'll be like, well, it was kind of more of the same and this Ohio State defense kind of shut him down? Well, I mean, well, last year he had a, it was, it wasn't just a bad game. It was a catastrophe. I mean, it was, it was an embarrassment really. I mean, and I think Ohio State got in his head last year. I think, you know, Chase Young's bearing down on him. Jeff Okuda's picking off passes. I think he just mentally lost it that night and and they had no chance. He kind of crumpled like a wet paper bag and that whole team did really. I mean, it was how, how you get beat 48 to seven at home. Um, even if you're just a mediocre Big Ten program. So I, I expect him to be better than that. And the other thing I would remind people is Nebraska ran for, I think, 184 yards, something like that, last year against Ohio State. And, again, we don't know exactly what's going on with this defensive front right now, at least the defensive tackle position. I don't want to talk too much as if, like, that creates some kind of massive hole that people are just going to be able to run an army through. But I also think it is still a concern going into this game, maybe especially with a mobile quarterback. It's one less um, potentially, like, advantageous position you have up front in some of those rotations. So I, I, think he, I think he would be better. I think they'll put up some points. I don't think they're going to be good enough to threaten Ohio State. I want to do one real quick thing, one more quick thing on Nebraska. Uh, West brings this up. How much will the loss of J.D. Spielman hurt Nebraska? To me, that's the big issue with Nebraska, a lack of playmakers. And they have had some playmakers over the years. I can't remember the one guy who I thought was such a good playmaker a couple of years ago. He had three names, I think. I think it was a receiver. He had a hyphenated name. If anybody remembers, tell me. I really should look this stuff up. Wandale Robinson, though, again, it's a guy – I think he committed to Kentucky. He was going to flip. Ohio State was interested in him, and then he flips to Nebraska. And Stanley Morgan Jr. was there. He's good. It's not Tim. This is another great segment in the live Zoom call. <laughs> Guess the guy that Doug can't remember. It's like, it's like yeah, the uh, – Wondell Robinson was kind of – I mean, he's like their DeMario McCall, right, Nathan? That He was like half running back, half receiver last year. But aren't they kind of making him a receiver this year? I, I I wouldn't call him their Demario McCall. Well, I, I mean that's not him. fair. That's not fair to compare anyone to Demario. There's only one Demario. <laughs> he I, was I, a guy that was unlike Demario, where they don't know where to put him. Wanda Robinson last year was a guy who was so good that they felt like they could move him, wanted to move him around everywhere and, and and try to create matchup problems. But they also had trouble keeping him healthy. He was pretty banged up at times last year. So I think that's one of the reasons why they have moved him now and said he's going to concentrate more at receiver, but. I also read something where he himself said he wants to just be on the field at all times, never come off the field. If that means he still has to take some time in the backfield, he's fine with that too. So uh, asking Greg Madison about it, asking Tuck Borland about it this week, they weren't obviously going to get into specifics about their game plan, but they said it's been a topic of conversation. They've done walkthroughs. They've done other things to try to account for him at all times and, and, and expecting him to be used in not just some kind of boring traditional way. They're going to have to be aware of him at multiple spots. All right, we'll take a quick break here on our live Zoom with our Buckeye Talk tech subscribers. Again, if you want to be part of something like this, and we're doing the chain restaurant voting right now. Uh, Chili's having some, some tough matchups. Um, the lob, the lob went down, man. I was a little surprised that the lob took it on the chin in the round of 16. But we're having fun. We're doing our online book. Two chapters left in our online book about the 2019 Ohio State football season. Tech subscribers, that's exclusive to them. And you get to hang out on the Zoom and hear me forget people's names. Um, We'll be right back. I have a list of the best players in the Big Ten, according to somebody. And I want, I want people to guess how many Ohio State guys are on that list and how many Nebraska players. And then we will get to our picks. We'll be right back on Buckeye Talk.
All right, thanks again to everyone joining us here in the Zoom. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, and the official bookmaker of Buckeye Talk, Tyler Shoemaker. So let's get down to our picks for this game. But we also we need to figure out like what the real lines are. So Nathan and I have a bet, and I want to, we still have all the suggestions from people of what we should bet. And I ran through the list to some degree. There's a lot, a lot of things about eating, making things, making people eat things they don't want to eat, like make Nathan eat Skyline Chili. And there's also a lot of beer. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll eat, uh, I'll eat a wheelbarrow full of Skyline Chili. Steven's the one who doesn't like Skyline. Oh, sorry. Okay, if Nathan loses, oh. Steven has to eat Skyline Chili. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> there's also a lot of it's people who, who want us to eat the Giordano's pizza that Steven couldn't eat. But there's also a lot of beard shaving, Nathan. There's a lot of beard shaving. People want to see that baby face. And they also want to see me grow a big old stash. So eh, I don't know if that's where we'll go with this. But we need to set the real line. We did our picks on our video earlier today. And we'll, we'll, we'll give those now. So we know what our picks are. But the line we used was 26. But our bookmaker, Tyler Shoemaker, come on in and help us. We also had set this line theoretically at 29. Because a couple of weeks ago, I said, I'll give you 29. Tyler, what, what do you think is the right line for this Ohio State-Nebraska game? Yeah, so I, I made this line, you know, well in advance. And I, I had it at 23, which is about where it opened uh, at Circa, which is usually the first Las Vegas book uh, to post odds. But that, that's been bet up now to 26. Um, so, I mean, Nathan's still getting good uh, what we call closing line value. But um, I, I tend, you know, if my numbers don't, uh, don't agree with Ohio State covering, I, I generally don't bet it but um it does seem like nathan's getting pretty good value on you there so let me ask this tyler when you you so you have a system of evaluating teams and then do you do you come up with your point spread because like one team is has 23 more points in your system or what is your your way because i want to give people a baseline because we're going to try to have you on for yeah, a lot it's, of these um, odds you know, honestly, I, I just I rely a lot on people that are much smarter than me. So, you know, I, I do reference like uh, the SP Plus from Bill Connolly at ESPN uh, and a couple other similar um, rating systems and come up with my own power rating system. And then uh, a lot of I think what's been off uh, with lines that I've seen so far this college football season is that they're still giving teams, in my opinion, too many points for home field advantage. And I thought you brought up a good point, uh, I think, on today's podcast that the the home field advantage even in, in general I think is a little bit overrated uh, but especially this year with no with no fans in the stands or you know very few I don't I don't think that's much of an advantage at all uh, so I think I think the bookmakers are still kind of putting that into their line and and I I don't agree with it and I've been able to to take advantage of that so far this football season that is hard to figure is it also and this is not anything known if if the Ohio State line is bet, getting bet up Tyler that it opened more around 23 and now at the 26 is that just Ohio State fans is that just that Ohio State is like a popular public team yeah that, oh, line oh, Ohio State, up? yeah ex exactly Ohio State's one of those teams I mean and you see the same thing pretty much every week with Alabama and Clemson where pretty much no matter what the the line makers open the line at you know the public comes in heavy and just just hammers those teams uh, and ends up moving those lines Okay. All right. So let's get to our picks then. We're going, so the line is at 26 now. Um, and Nathan is playing this smart. I think Nathan wants to keep his beard. So Nathan is playing this smart. Nathan, what is your pick? You, the betting line is 26, but the line that might matter to your life is 29. What do you got? I took Ohio State 49-22. So that would be a 27-point line. So I just, I picked the middle. I took... 
I took them to cover the 26, but come in under the 29. Um, I probably would have actually taken 49-23. We would try to stay off of taking the exact number, so I went all the way up to 27. And, and do you feel like – you're trying to middle it up here, but do you feel like really confident about that pick? Like uh, where you end up landing here, it's like what sort of what we had well, talked about. Hey, maybe, maybe Nebraska's going to move the ball a little bit. We're trying to figure out where the Ohio State offense is. Like how confident are you in this? I'm I'm confident that Nebraska is going to put points on the board. I don't like Stevens shutout pick. I think I would, that's another bet that I would make if somebody wanted to make it. I don't think they're going to shut them out, but I do think that uh, there's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's easy to, I I can't really say that I'm certain about anything right now because we still, we're going to get a status report tomorrow morning um, that that'll tell us which Ohio state players are available. We don't know if there could be somebody, that isn't available this week and that's going to come and go. And then we could get to Saturday morning and find out someone's not available. I suppose the same thing happened for Nebraska. So um, I'm not actually betting any actual money on college football this year. Not that I usually do, but I am definitely not doing it this year because it seems like just uh, such a moving target almost minute to minute all weekend. Yeah. I can't imagine betting any actual money on any football game this year uh, earlier than like five minutes before kickoff, you know, cause it's like, well, yeah. this is uh, I bet something and then somebody got a positive test and got quarantined. Steven, 26 point line. What's your pick on this game? 45 to nothing. I have absolutely no belief in Nebraska whatsoever. I'm, I'm sorry. I understand Adrian Martinez looked good when he came in here in 2018. And part of that was because Ohio State's defense was awful and they were impressed man the entire time. And it's easy for a running quarterback to take off and scramble when the cornerbacks and safeties and linebackers are worried about covering somebody and not looking at a qu- quarterback unlike when you're in zone when you can look at the quarterback the entire time and focus on him he regressed last year or maybe teams just figured him out that can happen sometimes with quarterbacks when you can catch somebody by surprise as a true freshman and then people figure figure you out because they have game film on you at that point I don't have faith faith in them like I did last year so yeah I think Ohio State's gonna run with away with this one I'm sorry I don't here are the teams that Ohio State the teams that Ohio State didn't shut out last year Florida Atlantic Miami of Ohio Rutgers, okay. Maryland. I'm, I'm just saying, shutouts are not easy. That's why it's an outrageous prediction. I understand that. But, yeah, I just – listen. What? This isn't an outrageous prediction. You just said 45 right, but I have to, I do. I do have to stay on par with what my outrageous prediction is. I can't go uh, – outrageous prediction is Ohio State. No, you can't. That's out. why it's outrageous. No, 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 that wouldn't make any sense. How would I go, oh, Ohio State's going to shut them out and then 24 hours later say – No, Nebraska's I guess that's true. That's why you shouldn't have exactly. them shut them out. It's well, hard when you're outrageous prediction. You're better off having your outrageous prediction be like Justin Fields is going to hop on one foot and score a touchdown. And then you can make what, pick what any, what any score you want to pick. Um, 62-17, and I see Wes just made his pick. And anybody, if you want to make your pick in the chat, we'll, we, we will try to read it. Wes said 55-17. Isn't that 62-17? Isn't that what I said, Stephen, for my pick? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a lot of points. I think they, they scored 77. I said uh, what, the, the first time Ryan Day ever coached a game as a head coach, it wasn't the start of 2019. It was the start of 2018 when Urban Meyer was suspended. He scored 77 points. They did against Oregon State. But you'll also remember there's some weird scores. Like, I think it was 77-31. So – I just think they're going to put up some points and I think we're going to a lot of this when we're trying to make picks, when we're trying to figure out, are they going to cover or not? We're going to end up doing a lot of dancing with what do they want, want to do and how long do they want to keep the starters in? And I am intrigued to see that. I think he's going to keep people in a little bit. I think he is going to keep people in a little bit and for Justin Fields, Heisman consideration and for the playoff committee, 
So I'll get some of these picks ready. We see picks coming in from our listeners here, and I'll read them. But, Stephen, something you pointed out, and that is going to be very interesting to me, it's another one of the things. There's a whole list of things that I really just want to see Saturday. Defensive scheme, defensive line rotation, receiver rotation, running back rotation. Who's the nickel defense? Is Baron Browning a rush end? Is Baron Browning at linebacker? Is somebody else at linebacker in the game with Pete Werner? Does Pete Werner really play every snap? How does Josh Proctor fit in? How do they use the tight ends? Are they in 12 personnel a lot? There, there are a lot of like basics about this team. And Nathan, it's kind of what you talked about. The interviews with Ryan Day next week getting ready for Penn State are going to be so much better because we're going to have all at least one game of information as opposed to no information right now. But one of the things we're going to look at late is Who's the next quarterback in? And Stephen, when you saw, when you wrote the quick post uh, that C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller both got their black stripes off, you did not find it coincidental that they they basically called the two quarterbacks up, they grabbed their black stripes on their helmets and simultaneously pulled them off because they don't want anyone thinking C.J. Stroud's black stripe came off 0.4 seconds ahead of Jack Miller's. What does that mean? Not coincidental, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Justin Fields had both helmets in his hand trying to do the both at the same time. No, it's not going to do little. They're not going to give us anything to make any type of leeway of who is actually ahead. And that actually, maybe nobody is ahead right now because Ryan Day said something interesting. It's the fact they didn't have a spring. And so maybe you would be able to say who was ahead right now if they had a normal year. But because both of these guys are brand new, they didn't get a spring practice to go through anything and learn the system, and they haven't necessarily taken a lot of snaps because Justin Fields gets as many snaps as he wants – no one probably is ahead. They're probably still at square one of learning this system. But, yeah, that's why C.J. Stroud's post came out. And probably the only reason Jack Miller's took so long is because whatever Wi-Fi they're on was going slow. That's probably it. So it, we're not going to learn anything unless Justin Fields goes down and against Nebraska and somebody has to come in. And even then, in game one, we probably still won't learn anything because we'll probably put Gunnar Hoke in there first because he's been here for a year. And it keeps anybody from having the conversation of, oh, wow, in game one, C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller got in there. Who's going to transfer? You think, you think when Justin Fields – so when Justin Fields comes out of this Nebraska game because Ohio State has a big lead, whenever that is, you think Gunnar Hoke will be the first one in? That's different. I mean, like, if he has to come out the game for, like, a series because something happened with an injury. I think at the end of the game, okay, it might be CJ in one game, and then it might be Jack the next game, just, you know, just to keep it even as possible. I just think the first couple of weeks here, while they're still learning, I think you go with Gunnar Hoke in those emergency situations. Why? If you're trying to win, you go with the guy you think is going to win. If those guys are still at square one the way Ryan Day says they are, then Gunnar Hoke right now in week one – probably does give you a better chance to win over two true freshman quarterbacks who haven't been here long enough and haven't had a normal year. I don't think he said they were at square one necessarily, though. I think he just said that I, – I think he was making excuses for why he doesn't want to put either one of those I, – I, I, I can't imagine a gun to his head. He wouldn't tell you which one of those guys was better than the other one right now. Okay. Like, so let's right? – I mean, he would pick someone. He could pick someone. He could make an evaluation on who the better quarterback is right now. Oh, he knows. I think yeah. he'd rather let you pull the trigger than tell you, though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. no right. Well, especially because I mean it's a terrible analogy, but especially because Ohio State gains nothing from telling us which one of those guys is ahead of the other one. So okay, so it's it's seventeen to seven. Nebraska just scored for the first time. It's seventeen mm-hmm. to seven in the second quarter, and Justin Fields takes off on a scramble and he takes a shot, like takes like a helmet in the mm-hmm. kidneys kind of shot. Uh, and goes down and it looks bad. It doesn't look like a ligament or a, or a, you know, a joint or anything. It didn't break a leg, 
but he took a shot and you don't know. It's like, man, he can't play the next snap. And you think he might be out for a while. 17-7, 9-16 left in the second quarter. He just ran on second down and it picked up five yards. And now it's third and three. They're up by 10 at their own 40-yard line. It's third and three. Game's not out of hand yet. They're, they're okay. They've looked good, but it's not over. And Justin Fields is hurt, but he's going to be fine. But you might have to, whoever comes in, might, you might be replacing for the next of the game. Steven, who comes in? Gunner in that situation. It, Week one, Gunner Hoke. Nathan, yeah, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I think it's just because he knows the offense better than those guys. And that's my offense. point. And the first one or two weeks, it's probably Gunner Hoke. I'm not saying that would be the case in week six or seven. But in the first two weeks, it's going to be Gunner Hoke just because he's been here longer. What if Gunnar Hoke comes in on third and three and throws an interception on his first throw? Uh, who comes out for the next series? I think it's still Gunnar Hoke. I think they're gonna. If you're yeah. a coach, if you're a coach, you're 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 also trying to kind of eliminate um, contingencies, eliminate sloppiness. Like you're gonna go with the guy who you think knows what is supposed to happen the most on the play that you call. And right now, I think that's Gunnar Hoke. And how does that help a true freshman if? to that scenario, Gunnar Hoke throws an interception and you snatch him right out of the game. Then those two tr- true freshmen at quarterback are thinking, if we just pulled that guy out of the game, well, he's probably going to do the same to me. So now they're on edge. Yeah, I don't think that. Who gives you? Who do you really think gives you the best chance to win? You think Hoke gives you a better chance to win right now than the, one of the freshmen? I don't. I, I don't think Hoke has a higher athletic ceiling than either of those guys mm-hmm. or a higher quarterback ceiling than either of those guys. But which one do I think has maybe the more nuance and is more ready for that moment? I think it's Gunnar Hoke. Yeah, but that doesn't make him the more talented quarterback. That's Roman says, I think against just about every defense in the Big Ten, you can give Hoke nothing but very safe throws and let your receivers take care of the rest. Tim says, I don't think they go to um, – I don't think they go to Hoke in a close game. No way. Stroud is too talented. But Dan says – Hoke and run the ball. Another Dan says Hoke for sure. Monica says Hoke for sure. Tim says in that case, it'd be CJ Stroud, right? Miller hasn't taken a snap in a long time. In a long time. I, I'm just sorry. At, at some point, um, Wes says you got to play Stroud or Miller in a scenario where Fields gets hurt. You don't want a championship with Hoke. At some point, it's just one of those things where I'm all for like, don't tell us, don't tip your hand. You don't want a quarterback to get mad. But at some point, if you feel like, well, you need to, you need to win now. I still think maybe one of those freshmen actually gives you the better chance than, than Gunnar Hoke, and you might just have to pick the guy. And maybe it is Stroud because Miller just hasn't taken as many snaps in the last year or so. Um, Monica says, is Doug's hand going to fall off? Should we be worried? I talk with my hands a lot, which the people on the podcast don't see normally. Um, let's do this. We want to do a little bit of this, and then we'll end with whether Nathan has to shave his beard or not. Oh, no, I said we'd do the, we'd do the scores first. Um, Monica, 59-24. I think a lot of people think Ohio State's going to put up a lot of points. Monica, 59-24. Dan, 45-10. Jamie, 58-13. Matt sees a close one, 38-23. Brandon, 56-17. Zach, 56-13. Ben, 45-17. Tim, 56-24. Clint, not as much from the offense, 38-14. Suncard, 59-14. Nuts for the Bucks, 38-14. Greg, 62-10. Dan, 49-17. So we got a lot of scores pretty up there. Wes, again, said 55-17. And I did send this out um, to the texters, and they were fairly confident with the idea of, uh, of a pretty big win as well. The way I divided this up was I said, do they win by 29 points or more? 
Do they win by 15 to 28? Do they win by 1 to 14? Or does Nebraska win? And shockingly, more than 200 votes, uh, nobody has picked Nebraska among the people who pay money for our Ohio State information. <laughs> Although someone did say, one of the texters responded and said, if someone picks Nebraska, please ask for their phone number and I will call them and get them help. So uh, not expecting a lot from Nebraska here. 64% said Ohio State by 29 or more. So 64% said Nathan will have to shave his beard. Uh, 35%, Nathan, do you like how I've just adopted that that is the bet? The bet is like if Nathan loses, he shaves his beard. And if Doug loses, Doug like has to like uh, say Nathan is great or something. I mean, it's like we just want, I want to see that face, baby. I want to see that little bit. I want to see it. I can show What's you a, pictures of what I look like. The last time I wasn't born with face. a beard. I was the last time beard. You, you shaved your face completely. Uh, I have not. I've uh, yeah. since like 20, 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. I didn't have a beard at all till that that late in my life. Has your wife ever seen you without a beard? Yes, and she's the one who encouraged me to grow it, which might tell you something. Oh. <laughs> oh. Seemed like a good investment to me. <laughs> You're telling me a podcast bet and you have to shave your beard. That is not, I'm going to, we're not making you do that with your new, no. with your new bride, but uh, 64% are with me. 29 or over 35%, 15 to 28 point win. And a very small percent, 1.4% of the people think it will be close and be a one to 14 point game. We want to do a little bit of this, not much of this because we don't know anything about it. And frankly, we don't care, but Tyler Shoemaker come back in. We want to do a little bit, some other interesting Big Ten lines. What are, what are some – Penn State, Indiana is interesting to me because some of my Penn State friends I know have said like that we've – you know, Indiana is sort of the obvious Big Ten underdog, and I think there are some Penn State people who have some questions about Penn State. And in terms of like a week one, jump up and get somebody before they're ready, I think there are some people who are curious about what this Indiana-Penn State game might be like. Tyler, do you have a read with your way of doing things on how you see that, how, where that line should be with the Hoosiers and the Nittany Lions? Yeah, and, th and this one's interesting too because I think uh, there's a lot of sharp bettors that would agree with you that Indiana might jump up and bite Penn State uh, this week and that we've seen that because this line opened, I think, around seven. Uh, I, I made the line seven and a half, and I think it opened around seven or seven and a half at some books, uh, and that's down to five and a half now. Uh, so they have seen some, some Indiana money come in so I, I think a lot of people are kind of with you uh you know also this week the news came out that you know Penn State might be without Journey Brown for the whole season um and obviously they're without Micah Parsons so for that I downgraded them from their original power rating by three points um and it seems like the market has um has kind of downgraded them by even more than that uh with this line move that that does that feels small Right. I mean, like at less than a touchdown, when you think about what you think Penn State is, and I think, you know, I mean, does not having Micah Parsons and Journey Brown mean that Penn State is no longer the second best team in the Big Ten? I don't know. Is Wisconsin the consensus bet second best team in the Big Ten now? I don't know. But you think about even with Indiana jumping up to think that about that line would be that small um, is, is a little hard to wrap your head around. And then I saw this. I, I saw this from somebody. Rutgers, Michigan State. I think I saw somebody who I respect on my Twitter timeline, like theorize that maybe Rutgers is like not the worst team in the East because Michigan state is kind of down to the, the studs here with Mel Tucker in his first era in his first year of this new era and trying to figure that out. 
That line on what I'm looking at, Tyler, opened at 14. Is it 13 and a half now? Michigan State favored by 13 and a half. Like, where do you have that Rutgers-Michigan State line? Yeah, that, that's pretty much spot on. Uh, I made it 14, uh, and that's what it opened, and it's down to 13 and a half. Um, Michigan, State's, Michigan State's just a really tough team to get a read on because you just don't know, um, you know, what they're going to look like in this Mel, Tuck, uh, Mel Tucker era and with no spring practice and that sort of thing. I mean, you just you just don't know. So uh, if Rutgers jumped up and got them week one, I, I can't say I'd be super surprised. God, who in the world would bet on, bet on Rutgers? Can yeah, I'm, I'm staying. Thinking? I'm staying ten feet away from that game. American oh. cash money. Like you go to a job, you go to a job, and you work, and you give of yourself, body and soul and mind and your time. There is nothing more valuable than time. You're away from your family. You're away from the pursuits that you love most in this world. In the time of a pandemic, when I think we all realize how valuable time is, and we've all had a sense of our place in the world, and how fragile life is. And you go and you get your paycheck, and then you say, "I'm going to bet on Rutgers." My should we make God. you do that if you lose this bet this weekend? Should we make you make me bet on Rutgers? Make me bet American cash money yeah. on the, the Rutgers fighting swamp monsters, dude? I bet you aren't there books? Wouldn't you like you operate a book in Vegas? And it's like, hey, has anyone bet on Rutgers this week? It's like, nope, not one. We moved the line to Michigan State minus sixty-three, and still nobody bet on Rutgers. I can't. I guess there are people who went to Rutgers, and Rutgers is a fine university, but you're allowed to go to a university and not bet money on the football team just because you went there. Who is betting on Rutgers? Get you a shirt that says, I bet on Rutgers, Buckeye Talk. Yeah. I lost my paycheck on Rutgers, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt, Buckeye Talk. Um, What was the line when when, uh, Ohio State went to Rutgers last year? Wasn't it like some kind of historic, (laughs) insane line? And I don't think they covered it. They didn't cover it. yeah, I think it was high high fifties, low sixties. Yeah, it was uh, they, yeah, just they, something. Rutgers did cover that. Yeah, it was Ohio something is, astonishing. And Ohio State had it gave up first quarter, first half points for the, or first quarter points for the first time all season. They were like Ohio State was like the biggest road favorite, like in the modern history of college football betting. And then Garrett Wilson dropped a punt, and it was like no. Last line that I'm kind of interested in the Big Ten, and then we're going to make a couple Big Ten picks. Tyler, how do you assess not having Jeff Brom and how that should affect the Iowa Purdue line? The fact that Purdue doesn't have its coach. Um, well, kind of the the standard deduction, if you will, when when a when an important coach is missing is about two points. Uh, so that's that's what I took away. I did see that they were going to appeal and try to get him to be able to coach virtually. I, I haven't seen an update on that. I doubt that that gets approved. But assuming he's not coaching, that would that would be a two point uh, deduction uh, in my numbers. Okay. Okay. Uh, so Tim says Indiana is a trendy pick this week. A former Buckeye Talk host thinks Penn State might start 0-2. Uh, if that former Buckeye Talk host is Landis, then I'm thinking, hmm, if it's Ari, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Ari. Ari actually knows about this stuff. Actually, Ari actually puts time and effort into this kind of thing. He might actually have a read on this. So um, that intrigues me. Uh, Michigan at Minnesota, actually. We, we have to talk about that. That's a primetime game. That's like a big deal. And I know Wisconsin's playing on Friday night. Michigan-Minnesota actually does deserve our attention a little bit. It's one and a half, what I'm looking at here. No, that no, it, no, no. Oh. It opened at one and a half no. for Minnesota. It. And now moved it's to minus, minus three, three for Michigan. Yeah. Tyler, how do you read that? Who should be the favorite there, Tyler? I have it at, I have it at a pick them uh, is, is what I made that. Uh, so the, the three points that Minnesota's getting up, I am in, interested in, in taking. Uh, again, this is one of those where I think – uh, you know, no Nico Collins for, for Michigan. I know they had some other 
uh, some other opt-outs. Um, so I've, I've deducted, I think, two or two and a half points from their original power rating because of that. Um, so you're, you're going to see some difference in opinion on Michigan here early in the season, I think. Man, that feels like, I mean, Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman, I don't know, do they need versus Joe Milton, like making his first ever start? And they're That's, at home. This feels like a Minnesota game to me. All uh, right, so we said we're going to try each week for each of us to pick two other Big Ten games, not spend a lot of time on it. Nathan, did you have two? What are your two Big Ten games, the two Big Ten picks? I didn't know that we had week? said that they had to be two other Big Ten games. In fact, I thought you said they didn't have to be two other Big Ten games. No, no, I don't care about the rest of the country. Okay. Well, all right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live dangerously to start things off. The one that I had picked from a Big Ten standpoint was uh, I am going to take Michigan giving three points at Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I even wrote in, in Monday Madness uh, on Monday, uh, 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 Michigan is three and 10 um, in neutral road or neutral games under Harbaugh against ranked teams, including zero and three last year. So uh, is that a trend or is it like, are they due? I guess I'm going to vote that they're bet that they're due. Um, but I also think that there may be, and I, I appreciate, yeah, about the opt outs. I just think that there probably is still overall top to bottom, a, a talent disparity in Michigan's favor in this matchup. Um, and I think especially on defense, Minnesota lost some guys that they're going to miss. So I'm going to take Michigan to win by four, at least. Okay, I'll make one of my picks, Minnesota. I'm going to take Minnesota with those three points because I just – I think Minnesota might be better. And I maybe – I think Minnesota might be better right now. Maybe Michigan by the end of the year. But it just feels like Minnesota is a little more settled. So that's one of the ones I'm going to take. Steven, what's one of your picks? In the yeah, time? that was going to be mine too, Minnesota plus three. And I, I think Minnesota is a better team. I think they have the better – quarterback that we know of obviously we've heard some things about Joe Milton but Tanner Morgan has shown us that he's probably at the top of that next level of quarterbacks under Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and Rashad Bateman is the best wide receiver in the Big Ten so going off of that I think Minnesota plus plus three Andy is asking in the chat does Brom have COVID yes he had a positive COVID test so that's why he can't uh, that's why his coaching status is up in the air this week and I have to acknowledge that Zach said not even Greg Schiano would bet on Rutgers um my other pick in the Big Ten is one we didn't talk about yet, but I'm going to back kind of a thing that I think, and it's not because I went there. I just think Northwestern with Peyton Ramsey is the dark horse in the West. They opened as an eight-point favorite over Maryland. It's moved to 11, and I'll grab it still at 11. I just think maybe Northwestern like has it together. That I think some quarterback issues held them back last year. Um, I think they're a solid program. I think Maryland's still getting it together. I just feel like Peyton, Peyton Ramsey is kind of a guy, you know, I mean, he's not great, but if you're a program that has anything going on and just need someone who can settle you down a little bit and not kill you with mistakes at quarterback, it feels like Peyton Ramsey is that. So I'm curious how Northwestern might be. It's weird to think my, if I ever thought in my life, having attended Northwestern games as a student that, Northwestern would ever be an 11 point favorite over anybody is, is like hard to imagine, but I just think they might, they might challenge in the West this year. So I'll take Northwestern minus 11. Nathan, what do you have another big 10 game? So I I'm hesitant to take this because of the Jeff Brom factor. He's such an emotional guy and a big presence with that team, uh, like getting them motivated for games. And um, on top of that, um, Purdue has started season so poorly under him. It's been a real problem. They just don't get off to good starts this season. Um, however, I, I think Purdue is just one of the more underrated teams in the Big Ten this year. Um, obviously, Rondo Moore coming back helps him a lot, although I saw kind of a cryptic tweet tonight that is he available, is he not? We'll, we'll see. I think but everybody's going to be dealing with that. Um, they're trying not to give away any information. A lot of people aren't. But you've also got a guy in George Karloftis, who I think is kind of a dark horse maybe 
Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year kind of contender, as we've talked about how defensive ends and guys who can, who can rush the passer get um, a lot of love in those situations. They got another guy in David Bell who was a, a freshman All-American last year. I just think that they've been overlooked a little bit, and I think that um, I like them getting plus three at home against Iowa. Even if they can't win, at least they're getting a few points. All right, so that's Nathan's second pick. I want to ask Stephen a question from Monica in the chat room before we get to Stephen's oh, other oh. pick. Stephen, the common sense is that Rashard, Rashard Bateman is the best receiver in the conference. Do you think he will end the season as the best receiver in the conference? If not, who? And then Wes said, I think Stephen will say Garrett Wilson. So <laughs> I think Rashad Bateman – I mean, Monica, I, I don't know – Rondell Moore is pretty good too. It's just, it's crazy mm -hmm. that both Bateman and Moore were out and now they're back. They're both first round receivers, honestly. And then it's like, if you think Chris Olave is a first round receiver, and if you think Garrett Wilson is going to start showing this year that at some point he will be a first round receiver, there are some really interesting receivers in the Big Ten. But Stephen, as we get ready to start this season, who do you think will be the best receiver in the Big Ten by the end of the season? Yeah, I started to respond to that a little bit. I think it's going to be either Bateman or more, just because statistically, just because they don't rotate as much as Ohio State's receivers do. And so it's really hard for one person to just have runaway type of numbers like Rashad Bateman and Rondell Moore, who are the focal point of their passing offense to do. And after my conversation with Chris Olave, I mean, we, we had a small talk as well about you know some NFL stuff. He's not a lock as a first round draft pick. And I think he knows that. And those two guys that Doug just said are. So it's, it's both statistically, but then also how they're viewed from an NFL standpoint. I think it's got to be one of those two guys. I don't want to freak out anybody, but there is someone named PJ in the chat who yeah. just typed row the boat. So we now have confirmation that both Ryan Day and PJ Fleck P PJ Fleck muted me because I was <laughs> I was giving away secrets. <laughs> no title telling. Shut his mic! Shut his mic! He's found me out. PJ PJ Fleck looking for, always looking for an edge. Oh P oh oh oh! PJ is raising his hand. I'm gonna unmute you, PJ, and uh, and welcome you. Uh, row the boat, PJ, here on uh, on Buckeye Talk. Did I unmute you? Are you unmuted? No, there, here we go. Unmuted. Go ahead, PJ. All right. Unfortunately, not PJ Fleck, but uh, I had a question for Steven about uh, Derek Davis confirmed oh. coming to uh, the Buckeye Bash Saturday instead of yeah. the Georgia trip that he was talking about taking. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, surprising, um, but also Pennsylvania is closer to Ohio than it is to Georgia, so logistically that – probably pay, played a role into it. I, I don't know. That one's up in the air. I think they can, they can flip Tristan Lee if they get him on campus because I genuinely think that part of the reason why he's so pro LSU is, I mean, he's 17 years old and he got to get, be down there around those guys and just kind of fall in love with some things. Because he did the same thing when he went to Oklahoma with Caleb Williams. And Jack Sawyer kind of feels the same way about it where if we get these guys here, they're they're in just because of the type of quality of guys that they're in this class and how they've been talking to each other in these group chats and on social media and everywhere else and so I think there is a possibility to flip Tristan Lee if they just get him here with Derek Davis Jr. I, that's hard that's a hard one to sell I don't know if they necessarily need him yes he's a top 100 guy but you've already got two top 100 corners in the class and you've got five commits in the defensive back room already um, he might look at that and go eh 
I can just go to Penn State and maybe I'm a starter as a true freshman. I, so, which is, I mean, the wide receiver core from the 2020 class, you had guys who could probably have made that decision like Mookie Cooper. So him being here, maybe it flips some things, but I don't think he necessarily ends up at Ohio State. Like with Tristan Lee, I genuinely think that he leaves there. And if you talk to him, he's going, man, I, don't, I didn't really know these guys before this. But now that I'm here with my mom and my little brother who also has an offer, I'm, so, I'm kind of sold and I'm really interested. Reset who Derek Davis is for people. Derek Davis is the number 53 player in the country. He's a safety out of Pennsylvania, and he's Penn State's last chance to get a top 100 recruit from their backyard. And Kyle McCord's not coming because he has to play on Saturday. Um, so, then, I mean, that would have been helpful if he was here because he's really close with him. And where's Derek Davis from? Pennsylvania. Where in Pennsylvania? Is he a Philly guy? Not from Philly, but close. Okay. Pretty close to Philly. Uh, Dan, I'm unmuting you, and you can go ahead and ask your question here in our Zoom. All right. Can you hear me okay? You're ready. You're good to go, Dan. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I think everybody agrees that uh, uh, Ryan Day is going to keep the pedal down and try and run the score up early. Um, but what do you think about how long Fields stays in? I, I see him maybe getting a complete game because he didn't get a lot of reps and there was no spraying. I, I see him getting a complete game. Do you guys think he's going to stay in the whole game or are we really going to see Gunnar Hoke? Um, and I think it also, I mean, it's, it's to his advantage not to show his cards when it comes to uh, which other backup quarterback he wants to go with. So I think Fields is going to get a complete game. What do you guys think? I mean, if they're really torching him, there's just no reason to have Justin Fields in late. I know, you know, what, what good does it do you to have him in there padding his Heisman numbers if he gets hurt? late in the game. I mean, in a game that is that the outcome is completely decided. Um, so I don't, I, there's just definitely ways where he doesn't play all four quarters of this game. If he, and if he does play all four quarters of this game, that means it was a lot closer than, than people think. But I also think that if it's, even if it's in like that range, I'm talking about, where you're talking about like 49 to 20 something, something like that, or 50 something to like high, high mid twenties, that's a scenario where maybe he gets away with playing all four quarters, but some of these numbers like the Doug 62 to 17, I, I don't think Justin Fields is playing in the fourth quarter of that game. I think, uh, I, I, I think the thing really is how far into the, does he play in the fourth or does he get a couple series in the fourth? I don't know that he'd get it, but like, if you get pulled, like if you don't play the fourth quarter at all versus you get the first series or two in the fourth quarter, and then you don't play the last five minutes, that's a big difference to me. And I think, I think it needs reps. I think they need to work some things out reps with the ones against the real defense before Penn state working with Jamison Williams, working with Garrett Wilson in the slot, just get everything down with the running backs. Um, We go round and round about this. The weird thing is he, and they needed him last year because the Penn state game was close, but like they changed their season by playing Justin Fields late in a game. They were up two scores in the last three minutes and they could have had somebody else be in there to run a fourth down play and throw it out of bounds if it wasn't there. And they weren't, they didn't do that. And Justin Fields hurt his knee and it affected him the rest of the year. And I think they beat Clemson if Justin Fields is hundred percent healthy. So, and Ryan day, as much as I have pushed him on it, like has never said that he was wrong there or they regretted it. So that's not the same thing as keeping a guy in a 40 point blowout, but I do think there are reasons both for Justin personally and for the team to push it a little bit this year and a guy can get hurt in the first quarter, just like he can get hurt in the fourth and I get it. And if he's playing in a 40 point blowout and he does get hurt when they're up by 40, nobody will ever forget it. But I do think there's something advantageous to that too. It's not just stat padding. I actually think it might help him to keep him in and pretty well into the fourth quarter. Steven, what do you think? Yeah. You keep him in until there's no, nothing to gain from it. And there's no more, there's no point to prove yet. Yeah, if Doug's score ends up being the exact score that it is, 
then yeah, he probably plays one more series after they get to 62 points just because yes, Jamison Williams didn't play at all last year in meaningful snaps. And now he's a starter and plus those true freshmen and plus Garrett Wilson's now in the slot. You do need to figure some things out. So there's still something to gain from having one more series. Now, does Ryan Day call the same style of play that he called against Penn, Penn State that led to that injury? No, he doesn't call. They probably call something to keep him in the pocket where it's one throw or he throws it away or it's a check down somewhere. But, yeah, you play until there's no nothing more to gain from it, and that's probably until the last five minutes if the score is 62 to 7. All right, Tim, we'll take one more question from Tim, and then I want to hit one more thing, and then we'll let you guys get to the debate. Did uh, Steven pick his second game? Did you pick your second game, Steve? Or his third game, I mean. Oh, well, the third game's Ohio State. No, but I don't think he picked two other games. Oh, my second? My second was Penn State and Indiana, and I had Indi- I, I picked Indiana. Okay. Oh, sorry. Your second game is Indiana plus six. Yeah. Okay. I, that, Penn State just lost two big pieces. That I think that's an open door for Indiana to win that game, especially at home. Do you think Indiana wins it? Mm-hmm. So you think you'd bet the money line on that if you could? Indiana yeah. to actually win straight up. It's an interesting pick. All right, so we have all our picks for that. We'll keep track, and then, I mean, because who doesn't – Who? what's not – I mean, what's more entertaining than people who care about Ohio State football than us keeping track of fake money betting on other Big Ten games? I mean, that's just good content. Tim, go ahead with your question. Hey, guys, quick question. Um, you know, Jamison Williams has been getting a lot of hype this offseason. Um I'm kind of wondering, I mean, how State's had a couple different styles of guys that have made big plays the last few years. I mean, look, there's a Devin Smith type that just takes the top off the defense. And then you look at 2018 Paris Campbell, a guy that they just tried to deliver the ball to, get him in space, let him do stuff. Um, you know, we know Jamison Williams can fly. What do you guys think he's more like? Is he more like a Devin Smith or he's going to go out run the fly patterns, you know, take the top off the defense. They're going to try to get him the ball in space, almost like a hybrid H-back where, you know, he might catch 50 or 60 balls. My guess is more take the top off, but mm-hmm. that could be wrong. Again, we, there's a lot of guys we don't – we have less of a feel. We all do than we normally would because we would have had seen more practice and we would have seen – talked to guys more in the spring and in the preseason. But that's my guess. Paris was a very specific kind of guy. But actually, even with Ted Ginn Jr., they would get the ball to Ted because that's the guy he's been compared to a lot. They'd get the, the ball to Ted short and let him go, you know, let him run like he's running a relay on a track, on a track field. So, um, but, but I think Jameis will be down the field. I think, I think Jameis will be down the field. Olave will be down middle and a lot of things. And then Garrett's kind of work in the middle of the field with the, you know, maybe more explosive in the KJ Hill kind of routes, but that's kind of how I'm guessing. And it's only a guess. And it will, again, we could show up Saturday and be completely wrong. Steven, is that, kind of what you're guessing yeah I I agree with that I think there's a difference between go ball speed and then like agility and lateral quickness I don't know if he has that but I know straightaway speed as he showed with the second team last year that he has that and he's not going to go win a jump ball the way Devin Smith did but he can beat his guy at the line of scrimmage and catch a deep ball that way and I think that's the best way they can use him right now especially with Brian Hartline saying right now he's got to learn how to get open and do other things where it doesn't always rely on his speed and almost act as if he's not as fast as he is because that's going to help him be a better receiver. But right now, it seems like his best skill set is I'm faster than you at the line of scrimmage and I'm going to beat you off of this because my 100 time is so quick and I'm going to catch the ball and score a touchdown. So in year one, yeah, I think so. All right. One last quick break. Right back on Buckeye Talk. 
All right, back. We're going to shave Nathan's beard if he's wrong. We've agreed on that. I'm glad that Nathan, you know, gets kind of given some things up, but he's doing it for the good of the podcast. Nathan, thanks for agreeing to shave your beard if you're wrong during the break. Uh, okay, last heads, thing. Since both of you have hair. <laughs> I'll shave anything. Wow. I'll, <laughs> I'll shave anything. I'll shave anything. Fuck I talk. I talk. Here's the last thing I want to get to. We're actually not going to get into the complete, I mean, the whole debate about like what we should do to each other if we're wrong. We will work it out and we will figure it out. We're just not going to figure it out completely on this podcast. I want to do this quickly. Pete Futek from College Football News, who's a pretty good guy. I mean, he, he has a handle on what's going on in the college football scene. And that's just what you need sometimes. You need somebody with a little perspective to help analyze Ohio State. He did a list of the 30 best players in the Big Ten this season. I don't know, Nathan and Steven, did you see that at all? His I list did not know. All right, how many Ohio State players on his list of 30? 30 best players in the conference. Five. Nine. Four. I couldn't believe it. It's only wow. four. And here's the Ohio State guys. One is Justin Fields. Nine is Sean Wade. 12 is Chris Olave. And 14 is Zach Harrison. And that's it. Now, I, the reason yeah, I want to bring a bad list. Where is Wyatt Davis? <laughs> yeah. The reason, and he has some linemen on here too. I mean, he really does. He has the Iowa tackle on here. Um, That's he just a, a couple, lazy list. He yeah, has an, a Wisconsin offensive tackle. He has Jalen Mayfield on here um, from Wisconsin. So he does have some offensive linemen on here. He has one Nebraska guy on the list is Adrian Martinez at 16. So that's, We've perhaps invalidated the list, yeah. but that was a point of <laughs> reference. There's, there's only one Nebraska guy. Um, as we're trying to figure out like how good might Nebraska be, I'll, I'll tell you, though, he's really on Antoine Simmons, who is interesting, who's the guy who went to high school across the street from Michigan Stadium but was committed to Ohio State at one point. And then Ohio State kind of, I think, cooled on him. But instead of winding up at Michigan, he wound up at Michigan State, and he's the number two player in the Big Ten on this list and his defensive player of the year. Nathan, guess who's third on his list of best players? Ron Moore, George Karloftis. Oh, okay. Here you go. And I Ron mean, Dale, I, it would not shock me at all. If George Karloftis was an All-American this year, it would not shock me at all. And Rondale Moore is four. Rashad Bateman is five. So, again, no Wyatt Davis, no Josh Myers, no Pete Werner. Um, no, you know, there's no, no Garrett Wilson. You know, I, I mean, there's good players. I get it. But four for Ohio State out of 30 seems a little light. So, Ohio State, we all think Ohio State's going to win. I don't think if there's any last person in here who thinks that uh, anyone who thinks Nebraska's going to win didn't get to talk. Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay. So that was our Zoom. Thanks for everybody who joined us. If you'd like to be part of it, try the free text trial. Season starting. May as well try it. 614-350-3315. we got the online book that's coming. we got the chain restaurant voting that's still happening. The plan is to do these Zooms every Thursday night as the preview pod on Fridays for the game on Saturday. We will have a post-game pod. So the tech subscribers during the game will say, hey, game's over. Send your questions and then send the deluge of questions. We will get to as many of them as we can on the post-game pod. So thanks to everybody who participated in this. On behalf of Stephen and Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>